Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Turn with me to John chapter 9 if you brought your Bibles. And um, Emily, can I use your stand? I forgot. Oh, she's gone. I forgot to ask if I can use this. Is that okay? I didn't want to presume. That's hers. John chapter 9. I put out on Facebook um, a couple days ago yesterday that I was going to be preaching from this chapter and that if you guys wanted to go ahead and read that leading up to today because I'm really wanting you to hear from God for yourself from the Word rather than just whatever God's revealed to me about from His Word. And a couple of you, I didn't ask for this, but several of you texted me and sent me messages about what God had been speaking to you, which was pretty cool because it was some of it was on track with what God has been speaking to me and some of it was a little bit different but it was good. I want you to get revelation from the Word yourself. Um, but I'm going to actually read this chapter together to you. John chapter 9, this is going to shock you, it precedes John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is a very important chapter for us as believers today. It always was. All scriptures God breathed that is useful, right? But for this day and age that we live in, John chapter 10 is essential. It was a foundational passage of Scripture for us as a church because it's all about being able to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. You, the sheep, me, a sheep, hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd. Chapter 10, which is not what we're doing today, is preceded by, guess what? Chapter 9. So sometimes it's good to read what comes before it if you want to understand John chapter 10. We'll get to John chapter 10. We're going to be teaching a lot about how you can hear from the voice of God yourself, not just what I say, but what God is actually speaking to you. But it begins here. Interesting thing happens to Jesus, and it says here, John chapter 9, verse 1. I'm reading from the NIV. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which this means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and all those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. It's funny, everybody's talking about this guy, but nobody's actually talking to him. Have you noticed that? He said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. Therefore the Pharisees who asked him how he had received his sight He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man 
is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he is a prophet. The Jews still not, didn't believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man's a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to your eye? Or what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? How? How? He answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from. Yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. Hmm. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believed. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. The Pharisees who were with him heard him and say this and ask, what are we blind to? Jesus said, if you were blind, you'd not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us this morning from your word. Whatever it is that you have for us this morning, I thank you that you are still in the business of opening blind eyes. Open eyes this morning. Open our eyes that we can see your glory. So a couple of things you notice about this story as I was reading through it. It's interesting the culture that this blind man was in. Obviously, he had been born blind, so they only knew him as a blind man. And he's of age, he can speak for himself, so this isn't a kid. They had been passing by this blind man every day. He was well known. And as you can see, even the disciples talk about him, but there's not actually a connection with him because nobody's ever heard of a man being healed who was born blind. So 
Why try? If it's never happened before, why should we give it a go? Obviously, he's going to stay blind because we've never seen anybody healed of this thing before. But Jesus says his blindness was not because of his sin. Isn't it funny when something doesn't fit in our paradigm of how we think it should go? It must be some fault of theirs or someone else's. This myopic view of their world is through the law. That if you're blind, it's because you did something wrong or your family did something wrong. But not all blindness is caused by sin. Instead of maybe asking how this guy got blind, maybe they should have been asking how can his eyes get opened. It's amazing when you change your worldview how things can change. But sometimes... It's not someone's sin that's causing blindness. It's the toxic environment that they're in. It's the environment itself that's causing the blindness. This man was living, born into, sitting in every day, a toxic environment that was keeping him blind. These were his physical eyes. But there are people today that still sit in toxic, religious or worldly cultures that are keeping them blind. And the church is looking at them and going, I got no answer for you. This toxic environment came from this pharisaical spirit, these Pharisees. But you got to understand that these Pharisees, there's a spirit behind this. I don't want us to see these individuals and go, they were terrible people. No, there's a spirit driving that. There's a spirit that drives the evil in our world. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, against Republican and Democrat, against left and right, against conservative and liberal. Our battle is against not flesh and blood, but it is a spiritual battle. It is the kingdom of heaven against the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness creates toxic culture. And it keeps people blind. It happens in classrooms. It happens in neighborhoods. And it happens in in churches. And God is primarily, one of the primary ministries of Jesus was opening blind eyes. And I'm praying he does it. It's happening now. This pharisaical spirit was causing the blindness. Why? Because they had already decided that Jesus was a sinner. They just decided it. Why? Because he was doing things that didn't fit within their religious system. Look, we know this is how God works. Okay, you do this, you do that, you do this, and God will do this, this, and this. It's called retribution theology. You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. So you better do as much good as you can if you hope to get a sliver of God's blessing. But that's not how God works. It keeps people in bondage. And because Jesus' method didn't fit into their system, they just decided, you must be a sinner because we have no answer for what you've got. And that close-minded judgmentalism created this toxic environment. And it still keeps people in bondage. It's like these Pharisees see healing and they go, does not compute, does not compute, does not compute. Well, maybe get reprogrammed. Matthew chapter 23 verse 4 says of the Pharisees, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. The Pharisee mindset says if it doesn't fit within the framework that we have built 
of how God works, then it cannot be God. That's the pharisaical mindset. But sometimes God just does things purposefully that you won't be able to explain. I remember, I don't remember how long it was, probably 15 years ago, at Bethel Church in Reading. They started having gold dust that was like appearing in the air in the middle of worship. And they kind of became known by this worldwide is there's gold flakes following, falling all over the place. People having gold flakes in their Bible. And I'll be honest, I heard that and I went, oh, Lord Jesus, here we go. Gold dust. Why would God do gold dust? Doesn't make sense. And then people were flocking to Reading to see the gold dust, right? And then I saw some videos of it actually happening and falling on people's like phones so you could show it and you could see it appearing. And then they started having these things called glory clouds, where it was just like clouds of what looked like sparkly stuff and dust, and it would swirl around in worship. And I've seen videos of this stuff, but there's still that side of me that's like, I'm flipping through my Bible. I'm going, I don't see gold dust. I don't see glory cloud. Like I'm, and I'm probably not really looking. I'm just kind of going, everything I know about the Bible, I've never seen that before, as if I've got the whole Bible memorized, right? And then I heard Bill Johnson, the pastor, explain this. And he gets up and he goes, you know, we never asked for gold dust. We never asked for it. It just started happening in our meetings. And you know what we did? We checked all the air conditioning units to make sure people weren't putting stuff in it, trying to help, help God. We, we did all the investigation, and we couldn't find it anywhere. It just appeared. And I have no idea why. The gold dust didn't fall on people and they got healed. There was no explanation for it. He goes, I don't know why God did this. I think sometimes He just does things here that we purposefully can't explain just to help us remember, by the way, I'm God. I'm going to do what I want. Fit this into your little theological framework of how I do. And He just goes, oh, that's a cute little theology you have. Gold dust. (laughs) And I just went... That's how he does it. Gold dust. <laughs> Glory clouds. Don't you love that God doesn't try to fit within our framework of how we think he's going to work? You look at the Old Testament prophets, they got told to do some weird stuff. But you know what I love? Shema, hear and obey. They weren't going back to him and going, can I do A, B, but not C, D, and E? Because some of this stuff is kind of weird. Sometimes God does things in your midst that you won't be able to explain just for the purpose of doing something that you can't explain. Let God be God. But the pharisaical mindset says this healing of a man born blind on the Sabbath when we're not supposed to do this doesn't fit within the framework. So rather than changing the framework to expand it to go, obviously blind eyes getting opened is a good thing. So maybe we were wrong about how we thought God moves. But the pharisaical mindset doesn't do that. It goes, this doesn't fit. And it's a threat to the control we have over the people. So it must not be God. And what should have been celebrated was rejected and rebuked 
and called sin. I've never committed a sin that opened a blind person's eyes. And I'm tired of people sitting in environments where God is opening their eyes. But the toxic culture they're sitting in is calling them sinners. Is calling them rebellious. Of calling them divisive. When it's Jesus that's doing this. The blind ones were the Pharisees. This man didn't know how he was healed. He couldn't explain it. He, he put mud in my eyes. Mud in his eyes. I'm telling you, there's moments when God's going to do stuff in our midst that I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to be like, I don't know what that was. I've never seen him do this before. And we can develop whole systems around how we want God to move. We can end up building whole kingdoms. And we call it the kingdom of God. And heaven looks down and goes, no, it's another Tower of Babel. And I confused your language when you started building your kingdom. But the moment you committed to my kingdom, I sent my spirit that unified your language. They all spoke in other tongues and they heard the mysteries and the glories of God in their own language. I don't want to unify your language again. But you got to stop building towers. you got to stop building structures and systems that hem people in, that keep them giving and keep them coming and keep the tower getting taller and taller. God doesn't want a tower. He wants a family. Not a blind one, but healed and whole. Even John the Baptist was unsure at one point because of Jesus' methods. Because he did things a little different. And John, in a moment when he was in prison, just sent some of his disciples and go, can you just check with Jesus again? I just want to make sure I got this right. It's kind of like when you get a prophetic word and you're like, does anybody here have a hurt knee? No? No? Okay. And you sit back down. John the Baptist had those moments, so it's okay. Even John the Baptist like, told everybody else that's the Messiah and then in a moment went, I better double check that. So he sends disciples to Jesus to say, are you the Messiah or is there one to come? In Luke chapter 7, verse 22, Jesus says back, here's what I want you to tell John. Jesus didn't say, yes. Here's what I want you to tell John. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus was telling him that Isaiah 61, that you've been hanging on, is being fulfilled right now. When it was proclaimed, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captors and release from darkness for the prisoners. And those same ones whose blind eyes have opened, who, whose legs now work, whose leprosy is gone, even the scars are gone, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The ruined cities that are going to be regenerated are also churches. 
I'm believing for a move of God to sweep through the church. We are not the church. Seashore Church isn't the one that's got all the answers and has all the power. No, it's not. But I know that there are people sitting in pews right now who've got mud on their eyes. Blind eyes opening is evidence that the kingdom has come. Interesting thing about this man. He didn't see when Jesus touched him. Imagine this. Hey, Jesus, how about this blind man? He's, uh, it's not his, his father's sin, his sin. How did he get blind? Oh, no, no. It's so that the power of God might be worked out. Can you imagine the disciple? That was gross, I know. And then he just goes, spits and makes some mud and picks it up and just goes. Go down to the pool of Siloam and wash that off. Can you imagine the blind man? Being blind was bad enough. But now I got muddy spit in my eyes. Jesus could have just touched him and said, be healed. And his eyes would have opened right away. But he puts mud on his eyes. You ever heard the expression, insult to injury? If you made mud with your spit and put it in my eyes, we're probably going to fight. I'll be honest with you. What a seeming insult. Not only healing a man on the Sabbath didn't fit within their framework of how healing worked, that doesn't fit within my framework of how healing works. Smith Wigglesworth once punched a lady in the stomach who had a tumor. She coughed up the tumor. You better hear from God before you punch a lady in the stomach. I just, I'm not advising that as a method. The touch of Jesus required a step of obedience. He had to get up from the place where he was, and now he had to go do something to receive in full the healing that Jesus had intended for him. What Jesus put on that man's eyes was the potential for healing. But it took faithful obedience to unlock the healing that Jesus had seated upon his eyes. Not only did he have to go wash, but somebody had to go, hey, you got to go somewhere? You're going to need some help. Come on, I know where that pool is. I've been to that pool. We're going to go together. And we're going to wash and see you get healed. He needed help. As I was preparing this, A couple things came to my mind that I felt like the Holy Spirit was dropping in. (laughs) First one, when Jesus puts mud on your eyes, do whatever he says to do next. But there are people sitting in religious systems. There are people stuck in the world. And they've been touched by Jesus. 
but they're just sitting there with muddy eyes and they don't know what to do next. They're still blind, but have all the potential to be, have their eyes opened, to get fully healed, fully restored, but they just need help. I know that some of you are sitting here today with muddy eyes. I know that there's more. I've got a sense that there's more. I feel like I've had a touch from Jesus, but I'm not healed yet. And I don't know what to do because I can't really go back to where I was, but I don't know how to get washed and clean to go where God's called me to be. And you're stuck with muddy eyes. And it really sucks walking around with muddy eyes because you don't fit anywhere. You don't fit in the old place. You're not yet in a new place. You're trying to figure out, how do I find this place of freedom and wholeness? What do I do when I'm sitting here having a touch from God, sensing that there's more, feeling a yearning, a pulling, there's a turmoil that's happening inside of me. What's wrong? I was fine before. I could manage. I could get by. Yes, I had an anger issue, but I could figure out how to not be mad all the time, and I'm really good at apologizing. Yes, I've got a drinking problem, but I've got it under control. Not that many people know about it. Yes, I've got a little bit of joy and love, but I have no peace, but I can do with part of the fruit of the Spirit and not all the Spirit. And there's this churning. There's this churning inside that goes, but there's more. There's more. And you felt the touch of Jesus. Something's changed. Something's different, but you're not quite there yet. There is good news for you. There are people that can help you get to the place of the washing and the cleansing. I used to hear this slogan a lot. There's a big difference between went and sent. We sent Paul to Turkey. Paul didn't just go to Turkey. But there's a difference between went and sent. And these structures and systems will make people feel like if you leave us, you're no longer one of us. You'll be leaving. No, you were sent. If you've heard the voice of the Lord, if He's touched you, and if you know it's Him that's doing the sending, don't leave because you're just tired. Don't just leave those places where you are just because they're toxic. I know people that are in toxic environments and the Lord said, stay. That's hard. But there's grace for you if He did. But if He's touched you and He said, go wash, you better do what He says after He puts mud on your eyes. Faith and obedience work hand in hand. They always work hand in hand. People are going to need help. They're going to need help. I've watched people in our church go through this next process that we're going to talk about. And I've watched them wash in the pool. And I've seen them get kicked out of temples. But then I've seen them lead others to the same pool. This man's healing got him kicked out of the temple. It sounds crazy, I know. What should have been celebrated was rebuked. But don't you understand that your newfound sight just exposes the blindness of others? He knew he was blind. 
At least he knew. Not everybody can see their own blindness. What? Are we blind too? Don't let blind Pharisees take away your sight. Some are sitting in these toxic religious systems. They're blind. Some of them have mud on their eyes. And the mud's not just religious systems. It's the worries and concerns of the world. Not the mud, sorry. The the blindness is not just religious systems. Some people are so stuck in the world and chasing after the things of the world that they're blind to the things of the kingdom. Jesus touched him, but he couldn't get fully healed where he was. Get out of your toxic environment if he says go. To get washed and to get healed. Washed by the word. Filled with the spirit. If there's anything that I've seen, I've watched guys and girls sense that there's something more and go, I don't care where I have to go, but I'm going to get what it is that God has for me. I'm going to be filled. I will be filled. My eyes have been opened. I'm not staying where I am. Some are called to help muddy-eyed Christians get to the pool of scent. And they didn't leave, they were sent. Some have had their eyes open, but now are being interrogated by blind people. How did you get healed? You're better than us now? What, you see in the Spirit? You get prophetic words? God talks to you? Yeah. Does that make you better than us? No. It just means I can see. What do you mean you're not worried about all the stuff everybody else is worried about? What do you have that makes you so special? (laughs) Sight. Sight. Don't fear the interrogations and the rebukes of blind people. Don't fear it. They will come. They will come. Some have gotten kicked out of the temple, called divisive, rebellious, sinner. Stop listening to blind people. There's only one voice you need to hear. That's John chapter 10. There's only one good shepherd, and I'm not him, and neither are they. Stop listening to blind people. Hear the voice of your good shepherd who is sending you. Pray for blind people to get touched too. Don't rebuke them back. Don't respond in kind. But pray for them to get the same touch. Probably the most encouraging part of this story. I don't know that Jesus did this with anybody else. Is Jesus heard what happened? He heard that he got kicked out of the temple. And as we read, he goes and finds him. Jesus wasn't like, well, he knows where I am. Jesus heard that he got kicked out. He heard that what should have been celebrated was rebuked. And he sought him out and he found him. And he took it to another step. You see, Jesus needed this man to not just walk around with mud in his eyes. He needed him to obey the word that he gave him because the step of faith always requires obedience. There's always something God's going to ask you to do. And when he sees this act of obedience, and then the man's eyes were open and he's rejected, he seeks him out. Jesus will find you wherever you are.
you won't be alone. Do you hear me? You will not be alone. But the pharisaical spirit will say, you're going to be all on your own. That threat was thrown at us so hard, you'll be completely alone. And I went, no, Jesus will find us if I hear and I obey. And he restores him. And the man's immediate response is to worship. I want to pray this morning. And we're actually going to kind of open up the front down here for anybody who actually wants prayer. If you just close your eyes for a moment with me. I know in a room like this, there may be people who have not yet made the decision to follow Christ. Maybe you feel like you're a stranger to Him. But He's inviting you to be part of His family. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, and you'd love to give your heart over to Him, and be adopted into his family. If that's you this morning, just right where you're sitting, just lift your hand. And I'd love to pray with you. That you might become not a part of Seashore Church, but a part of his family. He is good. Thank you, Jesus. And you can pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus... I invite you into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Wash me. Help me to discover who you've created me to be. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.